Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about property buyers agents. What are they? How much do they charge? Are they worth the money? And then how do you go about finding a good one and then giving them a brief that's going to be in your best interests? So let me start firstly by talking about what is a property buyer's agent, although I think probably most people are are relatively familiar with their service. But a buyer's agent is a real estate professional that will help you identify and negotiate the purchase of a property, typically an investment property. So they're going to do two things for you in terms of the the first one in terms of um, market research, identification, um, and then the acquisition of the asset. The second element is uh, hopefully uh, knowing what makes a good investment versus a bad investment. So that's really the asset selection uh, issue. Uh, I think uh, most buyers agents out there are good at the search and the negotiation and purchase of an asset. Uh, Less uh, buyers agents are good at the identification of a investment grade asset. And really that's the key thing that you want to Uh, you want to look at. Now, I remind you that I'm completely independent. Uh, You know, I've got no vested interest whether my clients use a a property buyer's agent or not. In fact, my only vested interest is that my clients invest in good quality property because if they do that, uh, they're going to build wealth and then I'm going to uh, use that as a platform to help them build more wealth. However, if my clients purchase really ordinary properties that don't generate any returns in terms of capital growth returns, then I'm going to be stuck in terms of how I help them. So really, um, to do my job well, I need to make sure my clients are investing in great property. Now, I've had the advantage over the last 18 or so years uh, to see the performance of many investment properties that have resulted from advice from buyer's agents. Plus also, the industry is small and people talk. You get to hear about who's new in the zoo and what different people are doing and what different buyers agents are recommending um, and the the approach in which they use for their business and so forth. So you kind of get, in a way, the inside word on what's going on in that industry and you can very quickly then uh, work out who's, uh, who's ethical and moral and who's got a really good professional standing and, and which people don't. Uh, actually fulfill that. So ho- hopefully my sort of insights through this podcast will give you some, uh, go some way to helping you assess whether you should be using a buyer's agent. Now a buyer's agent can help you uh, purchase a home and, and there's certainly specific businesses that really target only helping home purchases. But in the main, buyer's agents typically aim their service at investors and for the purpose of this podcast, I'm really just going to talk about um, you know, using buyer's agents if you're a property investor. So it's what you don't know or can't see that's likely to hurt you when selecting an investment property. Now, you'd be excused for thinking that selecting a, a property asset is deceptively easy. You know, that is, you just build a checklist of 20, 30, 40 items and run each property through that checklist, do a little bit of financial analysis and that should get you almost all the way to identifying whether a property is going to make a good investment or not. But it's not that that if you if you take that approach, um, 
your, you're at risk of making a mistake and you won't know that you've made a mistake until many years after the purchase. You see, property is part art, part science. The science bit is the checklist. You know, does it have a logical floor plan? What is the proportion of land value? What's the land orientation? Where's the property located? These sorts of factual things that you can check with the property to sort of tick the boxes. The other, but the other part to assessing a property is the, the art part. And the art really comes from knowing the market and knowing the location and knowing how property behaves and understanding, really understanding the property and, and the market. And you can only really achieve that art part through experience, through years of experience in different markets, different properties, different agents, different situations, different clients. And you then build up a, a repertoire of knowledge and understanding and, and insight. So let me give you a couple of examples. I remember looking at a particular property uh, in Melbourne. It was in Paran, uh, actually. And it, the property seemed to tick all the boxes from an investment perspective. It was an apartment uh, two-bedroom at the rear of a block, good natural light, um, good privacy, older-style block, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it looked great. So I picked up the phone and spoke to a buyer's agent, a, a reputable buyer's agent that I, that I trust, and they said, no, 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 we don't like it because um, the, that street, uh, in that street, cars get broken into quite regularly and so the tenant turnover is too high. Now, you would never... You, there's no checklist still. There's nothing. How do you find that information out other than just being in the market? You know, other times uh, those buyers agents have said, look, we don't buy on the southern side of this street. We only buy on the northern side of the street. Well, why? You know, why does that make? Well, we don't really, you know, th there's no rhyme or reason necessary to it, but that southern side of the street just doesn't perform like the northern side of the street. And again, you wouldn't know that. The only way to find that out as a, um, as a non-professional is to buy the property and you find out that the growth is, <laughs> you know, less than the northern side of the street. So I think the, the experience that professionals can provide is often under, underestimated. And I know as an independent financial advisor myself, the most valuable attribute that I have to share with my clients is my experience. You know, of course, I've got good technical knowledge in terms of tax law and super and all these and investment markets and all those sorts of things. But knowledge, knowledge you can acquire um, relatively quickly. Experience, there's no shortcut. It just takes time. And knowing what strategies work in what situations and how markets behave and when to act and when to sit tight. Those sorts of things are invaluable and really you can't learn them in a textbook. You've got to get it from actually the doing part of the business. And so I think, um, you know, you can either learn from your own experiences, so that is trial and error, or really you can learn from other people's experiences and certainly learning from other people's experiences is cheaper. You know, I think professional advice, and I've, pay, I've paid for plenty, whether it's lawyers and or specialist tax advice and so forth. Uh, you know, I've paid tens of thousands of dollars for that. And, and when you go and pay for that advice, it always seems expensive at the beginning um, in the short run. But in the long run, professional, good quality, astute professional advice, it always appears cheap in the long run. The other thing too is that to understand is that you only have to be a little bit wrong to miss out on a lot of the return. So that is, if you make a couple of compromises, you know, if you just get um, fatigued and you're sick of going out and looking at weekends, looking on weekends, and you think, look, I'm just going to buy this property. 
it ticks nine out of ten boxes, you know, but maybe the floor plan's a little off, you know, it's a little bit illogical, it doesn't quite work perfectly. But look, it's not a big deal because, you know, the property's located in a fantastic area, etc, etc, etc. Well, um, in a really buoyant, really, really strong buoyant market, you're probably not going to feel it too much. But in a normal or, or a subdued market like we have at the moment where there's really, um, where buyers are being a little bit more selective, you are going to feel it in terms of what potential purchase price and what value you're going to get on that property. So, um, you know, the, I'd rather buy a, a weight and buy a 10 out of 10 property than compromise and buy an 8 out of 10 property. And so a lot of property in Australia performs at or slightly above inflation. So, you know, if inflation's 2%, that's how typical, you know, property might grow at 3 or even 4%. Um, and so the big, there's a big difference between, say, 2% real growth, so that is 2% growth above inflation, and, say, 5% growth above inflation. After 30 years, there's a growth gap of nearly $2 million. You know, so that's $2 million in today's dollars growth gap differential. So potentially the compromise that you might make on selecting an investment property um, could end up costing you not tens of thousands, not even hundreds of thousands, but potentially millions of dollars in the long run. It's massive. So therefore, it's just not worth compromising. And if you can pay a fee to a professional, and let's just assume that if you pay that fee, you will get an excellent property. Let's make that assumption for, for now then it's, it's definitely a no-brainer. So the question is, is it worthwhile? Um, well, I think that investing is all about achieving the highest return for lowest risk. And so uh, what smart investors do is look at a potential investment opportunity and then think about all the risks that could go wrong and then think about what, they, what actions can they take to mitigate, eliminate or minimise all of those investment risks. And really, really successful investors um, create opportunities where their downside is zero, you know, their risk is close to zero, and their upside is unlimited. And that's how super rich become and keep building their wealth, become becoming more and more rich. So, um, so that's exactly what you should do as a retail investor. You should think about, okay, I'm going to invest in property. What are all the steps that I can take to make sure I don't make a mistake? And so I think that's the biggest value that a buyer's agent provides, that if a buyer's agent has 20 years of experience, being in the market seven days, six or seven days a week, buying hundreds of properties a year for, again, a couple of decades, they're undoubtedly going to make less mistakes than what I would make if I was trying to do that work myself. And so um, the way I look at paying for a buyer's agent fee is that there, it's like paying for insurance. It's insurance against, re, re, uh, against the, reducing the risk of making a mistake. Now, of course, there's no guarantees in life. There's always risk in investing and there's risk in using a buyer's agent too. Maybe they make a mistake. We're all human, right? But the, the chance of them making a mistake versus the chance of me making a mistake as a non-professional is vastly different. Now, buyers agents will um, will advertise certain benefits to using their their service, like negotiation skill, access to off-market properties. They'll save you heaps of time because they do all the legwork, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're all good benefits, and I acknowledge them. But they're secondary reasons, in my opinion, to using a buyer's agent. 
the main reason for using a buyer's agent is you don't want to make a mistake. In fact, instead of buying an 8 out of 10 property, you want a 10 out of 10 property or even a 9 out of 10 property. And the difference in growth in dollar terms in the long run, in 20 to 30 years, will be massively different. Uh, and therefore, paying a relatively small fee today uh, to eliminate that risk is just good, makes good sense. So how do you go about finding a buyer's agent? Well, of course, you could do you know, Google searches. You could um, uh, check professional recognition and qualifications and client testimonials. And you can go on and go along and interview the person and so forth. But um, for my money, that, that's just pretty weak evidence because I, you know, I can make myself look good on Google or, or gather some client testimonials and you know, enter a few different awards and get some awards and so forth. Uh, the way I would choose a buyer's agent is get a referral. Get a referral from someone that doesn't have a vested interest. Get a referral from someone that knows what they're talking about, which means that they've either used their, their property investor, they've used the buyer's agent service uh, maybe multiple times, um, and really understand what they're doing. And if you trust that person, and you trust that person uh, knows what they're talking about, then in my, in my mind, that is the best way to, to find a good quality buyer's agent. Because what you're trying to do, or what you're going to do, is put a lot of trust in this person. You're putting, you know, if you're going to invest in a property worth $750,000 or something, you're putting $750,000 of your own money on the line. That's a big investment. So you're putting a lot of faith and trust in a buyer's agent to help you select the right asset. And the only way, in my opinion, to select someone like that is go by referral. Um, because, you know, having runs on the board, uh, I think, speaks volume. Volumes, I should say. Um, okay, so what do buyer's agents charge? Well, typically buyer's agents charge a percentage of the purchase price upon successful acquisition. So you normally don't pay, or you, you might pay an upfront uh, fee just to engage their services, somewhere between zero and $1,000, just to show that you're serious. So typically a buyer's agent will charge a small upfront fee, and then they'll go out and search for the property, and you don't pay anything until they actually acquire something. The ranges are pretty tight and they don't vary that much. Really between 2.2 and 2.75% is typically what a buyer's agent will charge. Some buyer's agents have uh, fixed fee arrangements, which I think makes sense uh, rather than the percentage uh, fee arrangements, but they're in the minority. They're, they're not in the main. Now you might think a lower fee seems like better value, but be careful with this reasoning because in reality, there aren't a lot of investment-grade properties out there on the market, particularly in this market where volumes are very, very thin on the ground. But even in a normalised market or even a buoyant market, it's not like there's hundreds of investment-grade properties out there. So if I'm a buyer's agent and I'm charging a, a substantially lower fee than my competitors, I'm going to have commercial pressure to complete a number of different transactions in a relatively short space of time. Whereas if I'm charging a higher fee than my competitors, arguably I've got more room and to, to be more picky about the properties that I buy. And in fact, if I, if I take six, three or six months to find a really good quality property, that, um, that time cost uh, is built into my fee. Uh, so some buyers agents are going to be transactional because they want to you know, generate some revenue if they've got, they've got mouths to feed in terms of employees and so forth if they're bigger businesses. 
So you need to be really mindful of that. And don't necessarily think it a lower fee or a cheaper fee is going to give you more value for money. Because the last thing you want to do is um, have your buyer's agent compromise in terms of asset selection. In fact, that's the very reason that you're paying them a fee. Uh, buyer's agent fees are not tax deductible, not from an income perspective. Uh, they're a capital cost, so they're added to the cost base of the asset. So when you go and sell that property, uh, you'll pay less capital gains tax because your cost base is higher. Um, of course, you can, uh, subject to um, approval by the lender, you can include the cost, the buyer's agent cost in the loan, and the interest in respect to that uh, portion of the loan is tax deductible. So most um, most clients of mine would, would go and borrow, uh, just like you do with stamp duty, go and borrow the buyer's agent fee and add it onto the loan. Uh, what's the best way to instruct them? Because normally when you engage a buyer's agent, you need to give them a brief. Uh, which sort of sets out, you know, what sort of property you're looking for and what's important to you. Um, sometimes people include their own personal preferences in terms of location or architectural style. You know, sometimes people go, oh, I don't like, really like Art Deco style uh, in terms of architecture. Uh, my advice is against this. I would say leave all personal preferences out there. In, in my mind, there's really only two parameters you need to set. Firstly, you need to tell them your purchase price budget you know that you can afford you're looking for something between six and seven hundred thousand or a million dollars or whatever it is tell them what your budget is and then tell them that you want to invest in a property that has the most compelling fundamentals that will drive the highest capital growth rate in the long run everything else is secondary to that you don't really care about the rental income if it needs minor cosmetic improvements you're open to doing that um, you don't care about the location, the type, the architectural style. You just want the best investment property your money can buy within your budget. And I think focus on just those two factors. Fall in love with the property generating good investment returns rather than falling in love with the property itself. So just to wrap it all up, it's really tempting, I think, to try and select an investment property yourself. It seems easy on the face of it, but a mistake is insidious in that you might not necessarily uh, realise you're making a mistake until many years after making the acquisition, and that's where experience comes into play. So therefore, not paying a buyer's agent or not engaging a buyer's agent, in my mind, is often a false economy. And a, a reputable and experienced buyer's agents will pay for themselves in terms of higher investment returns and lower investment risk without a doubt in my mind. And remember, quality and astute professional advice often seems really expensive in the short run, but very cheap in the long run. I hope that helps. Of course, there's lots of notes in the, uh, lots of links and, sh and uh, additional notes in the show notes uh, and also on the blog on our website. And until next week, bye for now.